0: Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. We are kicking off the book First Samuel today. Uh, If you've been following along this whole year, you know that today is the first day in our new Volume 2 journals from Genesis to Jesus. If you haven't yet picked one up, you can get those on Amazon for both adults and kids. We'll put that link in the description. All that said, I am here in the podcast studio with today's Devo writer, Haley Oberly.
1: Hi, everybody. It's so good to be here. I am
0: so glad you're here, Haley. I, I can't think of a better person to kick off the book of 1 Samuel with. Uh, It's a great time to invite new friends to read along with us uh, as we start this book. But uh, you get to meet new friends pretty regularly through your service area. Would you share
1: a little bit about what you do? Yes, I do. So I am a launcher of single girls community groups, where as they're starting to become members of Watermark, they join a group of gals where they are getting ready to launch together. So I meet with them every week for about six to eight weeks, and we go through the launch curriculum. We will dive through Watermark's Heart Behind Community, which is ultimately God's Heart Behind mm-hmm. Community. We'll talk about the core values that Watermark has. We also talk about what accountability looks like. We look, uh, we talk about what confession looks like with one another and just ultimately doing life together as Christ followers. I love it. If you are listening and you are not in a community group and are local to
0: Dallas and you aren't a member, there's actually a membership class coming up on August 13th, 2023. And if you're listening to this episode way later, the link is in the episode description so you can continue to consider getting plugged in at Watermark. But all of that said, we're in 1 Samuel 1, kicking off the book. And to set it up for us, essentially, we've got this guy with a name that's Relatively more challenging to pronounce. Elkanah, Elkana, something like that. And he's got two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And the difference between the two is that Peninnah has kids. She's got a lot of them. Hannah doesn't have any. And every year they'd go up to the city to worship and they'd make sacrifices. And this time of year really was emotionally challenging for Hannah. Because she's reminded, hey, I, I really want kids. God hasn't given them to me yet. And she would she would weep. In this instance in particular, in verse 11, we see that she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, remember me, don't forget me, give me a son— and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head, which uh, beckons us back, all the way back to the book of Numbers, when we learn about the Nazarite vow, when a man would refuse to shave his head, uh, amongst many other behaviors that he would, he would vow to do, um, such that he would dedicate himself to the Lord's service. And Hannah's saying, hey, if you give me a son, I will make sure that he grows up uh, under these guidelines that he's dedicated to the Lord's. To the Lord's service, and she is praying, she's weeping, and in fourteen, this guy Eli is like, "Are you drunk? What's what's going on here?" Like she is, she is grieving. She's very sad. She's longing for this, pouring out her heart to the Lord very honestly. Um, and Eli responds to her by saying, "Hey, go in peace." Verse seventeen, God's going to listen to your petition, and ultimately, uh, we see that God does hear her, and she's going to conceive and have a son named. Samuel. And as she said she would do, he is going to be uh, given to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord's service. So that's that's the overview of, of the chapter. But um, Haley, how do you relate to this story? How does it resonate with you?
1: Yeah. So like I shared in my devotional, we actually lost our first baby, um, found out we were pregnant. And then the next day, found out I was miscarrying. And so I think I could relate to Hannah, and when I picked this specific chapter, I I really could relate to her because I knew that desire and mm-hmm. that longing for a kiddo. During that time, thankfully, God had surrounded me with lots of women who had unfortunately also miscarried their, their sweet babies, and they got to show me what it looked like to grieve with hope. They got to show me— just the kindness of God in that specifically one of my dear friends shared um, just a story that she had, and she just felt God say, I have your babies. Mm -hmm. I love your babies more than you do, and they're in my arms. And so by God's grace, we got to have another kiddo here on this earth, and it is such a gift. And now we're cooking another baby too, so that's exciting. Um, So that's really exciting. But just the idea that I could relate to Hannah knowing just even if it's not a child, even if it's, you know, a job that you're looking for, financial provision, whatever it is that you are resting in and taking to God, He hears us. He is listening. And so in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, um, I found that this verse says, this is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know we have what we've asked of Him. And Hebrews 4.16 says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need.
0: So good. I love that we're we're kicking off the new journals here, that we're entering kind of the second stage of Israel's history as we begin First Samuel. And one commentator, uh, they say about this chapter, First Samuel 1 is presented as a conventional birth narrative, which moves from barrenness to birth. Laid over that plot is a second rhetorical strategy which moves from complaint to Thanksgiving. Wow, she's, she's desperate to have a kid, and then she gets to celebrate that she has one, just like is true in your story. With the use of the second strategy, the birth narrative is transposed and becomes an intentional beginning point for the larger Samuel, Saul, David narrative. Hannah's story begins in utter helplessness, silence. It anticipates Israel's royal narrative, which also begins in helplessness. As Hannah moves to voice, so Israel's narrative moves to power in historical process. Both Hannah's future and Israel's future begin in weakness and need and move toward power and well-being. The narrative of 1 Samuel 1 functions to introduce the theological theme of cry to thanks, which appears in the larger narrative in terms of Israelite precariousness and Yahweh's powerful providence. Our chapter corresponds canoniically to 2 Samuel 24, which portrays David in the end, like Hannah, as a needy, trusting suppliant. The two chapters, witness to vulnerable faith, together bracket Israel's larger story of power. Which I thought was just such an interesting way to think about this, this chapter. The desperation moving toward the Thanksgiving is a theme that we'll see uh, as, we, as we follow Israel throughout the rest of First and Second Samuel. But, with that theme in mind, uh, what is the challenge or application for us as we respond to what we read here in First Samuel One?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately, do we trust God? Do we trust mm. God with the outcome of our of our prayers? Whether or not He gives us what we desire or what we're asking for? Can we trust him to give us what we need? Maybe not what we want all the time, but what we what He knows is best for us?. Mm. What does that look like for you now? When is that hard? And when have you seen big ones? Yes. So we navigated last year. Um, one of the husbands in our community group passed away. Mm. And so we got to watch um, his wife trust deeply in the Father. We got to watch her pray fervently for his care and provision over her life. We prayed that we would be a place that she could come to that we could serve and care for her in that way. And ultimately, we just got to watch how God provided for her. And he was answering our prayers to care for our friend who no longer had her husband. Mm. I, I,
0: I hate that that's the storyline. Um, but I love that you got to see God show up and care for her. Mm-hmm. That's that's an encouragement and a challenge that even when all hope seems lost, we're left asking God why, um, or we can't see what God's up to, we can cling to his character and— honestly pour out our hearts before Him, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. And I think the challenge that we can walk away with in light of that that story is, are we doing that in our day-to-day lives? Are we honestly pouring out our hearts before God? Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah. So like one of my discussion questions said, if you find yourself in a place that you're struggling to trust God in any area of your life, I would encourage you to go talk to your community about it. Go talk to a a well-trusted friend that you could lay that before and say, hey, can you help me and trust this to God? Can you help me trust whatever His answer is Mm -hmm. in the long run? So good.
0: Haley, thank you for being here. Friends, thank you for joining. It's not too late to invite new friends to read along with us. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together.